This is an AMI podcast. Keep the conversation going off the air. Your voice matters. Email feedback at AMI.ca or connect with us on Twitter at AMI-audio and let us know what you think about our programming. I'm Juwita Gupta, and this is The Pulse. While life has changed significantly for everyone due to the pandemic, the challenges faced by blind children and youth are in some ways unique. Making the transition to online learning can be challenging if educational platforms are either mostly or entirely inaccessible. Blind children and youth are also missing out on friends, a peer group, and their social circle, like everyone else. But it's not an altogether gloomy story. Many community organizations are going to extraordinary lengths to provide virtual programming and enable online communities. Though the pandemic has created barriers, it has also nurtured possibilities for blind youth to engage as leaders and visionaries. Today, we discuss services and programmings offered by Blind Beginnings. It's time to put your finger on the pulse. Hello and welcome to The Pulse on AMI-audio. My name is Juwita Gupta and I'm the host of the program. As we deal with COVID-19, if you'd like to keep up with some of the programming we offer related to the pandemic on AMI-audio, you can head on over to ami.ca forward slash COVID-19. I hope everyone's staying safe and staying well and that life is treating everybody as well as it possibly can be. In the second half of the program today, I'll be joined by a young man, a participant in the Blind Beginnings program, who will speak to us about his experiences during the pandemic and some of the services that they're taking part in offered by Blind Beginnings. But in the first half of the program today, I'm joined by Sean Marsley, the Executive Director of Blind Beginnings. Sean Marsley, welcome to The Pulse. It is so nice to have you. Thanks for having me. Sean, I know you are familiar, a familiar voice on the channel. You've been on other programs before, but give us the elevator pitch. What is Blind Beginnings? Blind Beginnings is a nonprofit organization that supports children and youth who are blind or partially sighted across BC, as well as their families. And basically our whole mission is to help them reach their full potential, whatever that might be. Now, the pandemic came along and it might have taken you by surprise as it did with most people, but in deciding to make a transition to online programming, did you find that that was a nimble transition for your staff? Did your clients take to it like ducks to water? (laughs) Uh, Well, we definitely pivoted quickly. Um, I think I spent the first two weeks, which was spring break in British Columbia, just trying to figure out, okay, what are we going to do? How can we transition? And uh, when spring break ended, we we launched a whole bunch of new online programming. You know, there wasn't the thought put into the development of those programs that there normally would be. It was a pretty quick (laughs) process and just trying to make sure that we had something to offer our members immediately. Mm -hmm. I think we did a pretty good job. And I think one of the real benefits was being able to reach the families that live outside of Metro Vancouver in a in a more meaningful way because everything went online. So that was actually a benefit of all of this. 
One of the things I've been hearing, especially from people in the education field, is the challenges around online teaching, that often for kids of a certain age, you can't just leave them to teach themselves or to do the modules on their own. You need to have a parent present to help, or you might even have families that don't have access to the internet, much less a computer. So were those challenges that you felt you needed to grapple with? So we don't deal too much with the actual academic teaching. What Blind Beginnings does is is more around connecting kids with visual impairment, teaching more life skills. Mm-hmm. Um, this summer, we're we're actually going to do an independent living skills workshop where we're going to try to teach you know some basic sort of household skills like like laundry and organizing your clothes and labeling. Which doing that online is definitely going to be challenging, uh, but we've got some strategies in place to make that work. But I think, you know, in terms of like online academic learning, we stayed away from that. We offered opportunities for kids to support each other in support groups. Um, We had like an accessible story time. Um, We had what do you want to be when you grow up Wednesdays where we interviewed blind adults who were working about their jobs. So we were kind of like giving kids something else to do and a way to connect and, and still connect with their peers during this difficult time. Now, I took independent living skills um, when I was um, in my late teens. And to be honest with you, Sean, it's very hands-on. So I'm so curious about how you managed to make that transition and offer that kind of program virtually. Yeah, it is going to be challenging. So our plan, we're purchasing an independent living skills kit for each participant that we're going to mail to them. So it'll have, you know, the items that you would need to label your appliances, for example, just some of the the small items that you might use to help with independent living skills. And then each week in advance of the workshop, we're going to send participants a list of items that they need to collect so that they have them as we're talking about them. So if we're talking about a kettle, for example, they've got a kettle in front of them and they can touch it and, 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 you know, know what we're talking about. So I don't know if it's going to work (laughs) in the middle of July. We'll see, but we really had to get creative. Like how do we teach this without being able to be in the same room and pass things around and give people that hands-on opportunity. Mm. But there is an opportunity here, not just for participants, but also for your staff to be able to deliver remote learning. Are you hoping to keep this as part of your service delivery model once the pandemic is behind you so that you might be able to offer programming, not just to people in the Metro Vancouver area, but beyond that, perhaps even beyond the province? Yeah, we're certainly looking really closely at what we have been providing and what we want to provide once we go back to whatever normal is going to look like, definitely we're going to continue with many of our online programs, you know, for several years, but but we haven't had the resources or the staff to be able to do that. And, and we did actually try to do some online programming and we didn't really get participants that we wanted either. So I think I've been joking that it, it took a pandemic to get some of our families to give online a try, but mm-hmm. in that way, it was definitely the best result. And yes, we will definitely continue. Tell me a little bit about what's coming up this summer. So you mentioned a couple of programs before, but give us a snapshot, if you will, of some of the summer programming on offer. Okay, sure. Yeah. So we've got a Harry Potter summer book club that just launched yesterday. And two of our youth leaders are reading the entire book one of the Harry Potter series over the course of the summer. 
And I think we had about 13 participants yesterday, ranging in age from the youngest was seven and the oldest is probably in their 20s. So we got a lot of Harry Potter fans. So that we're reading a couple chapters each week and then the kids can discuss what was read. Um, we have our Kids Connect support group. So that's a junior support group for kids 7 to 12 and that's running every week. I've got a parent support group as well. We have Baby Beginnings, which is <clears throat> a group for parents um, where we also have an accessible story time component. So we have stories read where the, the pictures are described and concepts are described for younger kids that are blind. Excuse me. And then we have some virtual camp nights as well that we're doing in partnership with CNIB. And we're going to do things like talent night, a movie night, uh, campfire, and just give kids an opportunity to hang out and connect with each other over the summer. So we're trying to kind of create that summer camp experience that we're not able to do in person. And that's such an important component of being young and summertime in Canada. My husband, this is obviously many years ago, speaks so fondly of the summers that he spent in camp. And one thinks about the the things that a, a child or a young person may not be able to participate in in this summer. For example, graduations and other things like attending prom. Are there some conversations happening about making those things uh, happen or uh, trying to create some kind of a, a sense of community for young people to make sure they have access to a peer group? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely been one of the challenges. Um, we, we are looking at maybe doing a face-to-face -face community discovery hike through the summer, a couple of hikes and, and offering them in multiple locations of the province so that families can get together and keep their distance and be outside, but, you know, go for a walk together as, and connect with each other because as much as online is great and it's offering something, it's not the same as that face-to-face -face connection. Um, so we're, we're going to explore whether we can do that as well just to give people something, just a little taste of, of what they're probably missing. But I think those milestone connections have really been tough for, for kids. I'm speaking to Sean Marsali, the Executive Director of Blind Beginnings in British Columbia. Sean, we've heard a lot of good things from and about Bonnie Henry, who's the public health officer out in BC, doing a really good job. Do you feel that the voices of blind youth, particularly children, have adequately been heard and represented in some of the responses we've seen to COVID-19? Probably not, specifically the voices of blind children. I think that some of the needs are quite unique. Um, and I, I mean, for persons who are blind of all ages, myself included, you know, just being able to keep your distance and follow the arrows <laughs> and stand mm -hmm. where you're supposed to stand um, and not being able to touch things in an environment is really hard, right? And, and mm -hmm. one person at a time. Uh, so, yeah, I think there's lots of ways, even the, the homeschooling, I don't know how accessible that was for some of our kids, and definitely parents would have to be involved. And even for myself as a blind parent, I couldn't access all the worksheets and stuff that my son had to do. So hmm. I think, you know, people who are blind have definitely some different needs through all of this, and I'm not sure that they're really being talked about, uh, but I also understand you know, we've never really been through this before anybody, you know, this is, we're sort of figuring it out as we go. And I think 
in British Columbia, for sure, we've done quite an amazing job. So I guess we're just kind of rolling with the punches here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, before I let you go, um, you'll humor me a little bit because this is an incredibly cliched thing to say, but I'm going to say it anyways. We know that today's youth are tomorrow's leaders. And here you've got a cohort of blind youth that obviously know what it's like to live with a disability, but have also gone through this unique experience of a worldwide pandemic. You've done a lot of work with young people, Sean. What do you think will come out after the pandemic is over? What sort of leadership do you expect blind youth will take as a result of having lived through this pandemic? Do you see this shaping the next generation of blind youth? I sure hope so. Uh, I think that I hope that we're going to see more resilience. Uh, I actually have felt a little bit that my disability has prepared me in some ways for the challenges that have been faced during the pandemic. And I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm sort of trying to convey that to some, to the youth that I work with as well. Like, you know, we're, we're used to having to adapt and problem solve all of our lives. And so maybe in some ways we can do that better perhaps. So, yes, I do hope that this, you know, that we we are, that our leaders of tomorrow are going to be even stronger because of this adversity. Sean Marcelet, it is always a pleasure to speak to you. Thank you so much for being on the program. Thank you so much for having me. That was Sean Marsali, the executive director of Blind Beginnings in British Columbia, speaking to us a little bit about some of the programming and services offered by Blind Beginnings, all virtually, mind you, over the summer. And now my guest is Nolan Morris, who is joining us to talk about some of his experiences with Blind Beginnings, some of the programs that he's been involved with, and what life's been like for Nolan during the pandemic. Nolan, welcome to The Pulse. It's so nice to have you. It's so nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Hey, it's my pleasure. So tell me a little bit. You probably didn't see the pandemic coming. What have you been up to while the pandemic's been going on? Well, while the pandemic's been going on, I've been like participating in all those calls with blind beginnings. I was I w- was usually like stuck at home and it wasn't very fun at first, but then like Around where I am, they're kind of loosening up restrictions so I can hang out with friends, but I really still appreciate the um, the Blind Beginnings calls over Zoom. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about staying home because of the pandemic. That meant, meant you weren't going to school. Did you find it challenging to do all of your homework and to study online? Um. Well, I did get all my equipment from school to go home with me, so that was nice. But the the major like challenge of staying home from school is I couldn't see any friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's got to be really hard. Tell me a little bit about Blind Beginnings then. Did it help to give you that sense of connection where you could actually get to meet other people, even if it was on the internet? Yes, they really helped me a lot with that because, like, I hadn't met so many blind people before then. Mm -hmm. I only, like, knew a couple, not, like, entire communities of blind people. Yeah, no, for sure. And one of the things that I liked about hanging out with other blind kids, people my age, is that they got it. You know, I I could just relax and be myself and there was no pressure. Is that how you felt as well? Yes. 
Tell me a little bit about some of the programs you said you took part in with Blind Beginnings. So you took part in a lot of Zoom calls. Uh, what were some of the programs that you took part in? Well, some of the programs that I took part in aren't still going on today, but I took part in the Meet a Mentor Monday, which you get to, like, they interview a youth leader of Blind Beginnings, the Junior Support Tuesday, which is called the Kids Connect Now, which is a, you know, where you just get to talk with other blind kids. The What Do You Want to Be When You Grow Up Wednesday, the Accessible Storytime Thursday, and the Fitness Friday. And then some of that got switched around because schools were opening up again, and I kind of like some of the programs got switched around, some got canceled. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, so Blind Beginnings is offering a Harry Potter story time. Uh, they're reading a couple of chapters from the books. Is that one of the programs you're interested in trying out? Actually, um, I should have mentioned that yesterday I went to the first Harry Potter read aloud because I oh, love yeah. Harry Potter. Oh, me too. Have you read all the books? Yes. Which one did you like the most? Hmm, that's a difficult hmm. one. <laughs> they, they all have really good and bad things about them, I think. Yeah, well, my favorite is The Prisoner of Azkaban, to be perfectly honest with you. I know they're reading the first book right now, but hopefully they'll make their way over to Prisoner of Azkaban, which had to be my favorite. That's a pretty good one, too, because I'm really into Isn't it? Like, time travel. I'm into time yeah, travel. Yeah, me so too. They do a little of that at the end. <laughs> Speaking of time traveling, uh, if you had to go forward in time, all right? So I know in Prisoner of Azkaban, they go back in time. But if you were to go forward Mm -hmm. in time, what's one of the things that you really, if you were to look back on this time of your life, six months down the road, what's one of the things that being at home during this pandemic has taught you about yourself? It's been taught me not to take like, not to take school and stuff for granted because like I did not like school previously but I was not able to see my friends for a while that part was pretty rough it is and are you able to see your friends now as they lift some of the restrictions yes I can there there's a restriction where you can see people but there's only six people in a group Mm-hmm. And so at least it's better people, than nothing, right? I, I, I think it can be like unlimited people from six different families in a group. So, yeah, that's better than like nothing. Yeah, for sure. Now, listen, if you had to go out and about uh, maybe to run some errands or even to meet with some friends or relatives, how has that been for you? Because a lot of people are saying, you know, it's hard when you're blind to manage social distancing and make sure you don't get too close to anybody else or everybody else. How are you handling that? Well... My mom or my dad usually helps me out with some stuff if we're, like, going to town or something. That's great. You know, where would I be without my mom, right? Uh, Listen, I want to ask you, just before we wrap up, there's a lot of people across the country, people your age, who um, may be wondering how best to deal with the pandemic. They may not have the same supports that you've had with Blind Beginnings, If you had to give them some advice about staying positive and looking at the silver lining during the pandemic, what advice would you give them, Nolan? I would give them the advice of, 
I just say that they always have, like, their families with them, and I always have my family, too. We always have our families, and we could maybe virtually connect with friends, and you're not entirely alone. Mm -hmm. That's really well said. Nolan, thank you so much for being on the program. It was so much fun getting to talk to you today. Thanks for having me. That was Nolan Morris, who is a youth leader and participant with the Blind Beginnings program. He spoke to us a little bit about some of the programs he's taking part in, as well as what life's been like for Nolan during the pandemic. If you missed my conversation with Nolan or my previous conversation with Sean Marcelet, I hope you will check out the podcast. It's available on your favorite podcast platforms. While you're there, don't forget to like, rate, or subscribe, and let us know what you think about the programming I think that we haven't really heard a lot from young people during the pandemic. It is in some ways an event that will probably not repeat in any of our lifetimes. And I'm relieved about that. But it is such a unique historical moment. And I think young people can offer us a great deal of insight and build a great deal of resilience. I loved what Sean had to say about looking at the ways in which being someone who's blind or living with some kind of a disability almost prepares you in a way, to deal with the pandemic. It's a very positive way of looking at an otherwise difficult situation. And I hope that all of us can take away that sense of resilience and that strength of sense of being strong and being versatile in the face of adversity. That's what disability teaches us. And I think a lot can be learned from young people who, despite the challenges, manage to rise to the occasion. And whether it's in Halifax or in BC or right here in Toronto, there's a lot to be said for nonprofits from coast to coast who have stepped up and filled the breach. I would like to remind you to head on over to our show blog, ami.ca forward slash on the pulse. We'll put a link to the Blind Beginnings website and you can sign up for some of their events. You do have to be a member of Blind Beginnings to take part, but they've got a range of really interesting and exciting programming that Sean talked to us about, whether it's the summer camp or the virtual programming that they're offering, and you can take part in all of that. I would like to thank from the bottom of my heart, Sean Marsley, who's the Executive Director of Blind Beginnings, as well as program participant Nolan Morris, both of whom who joined us today on the program to talk about their experiences during the pandemic. The Pulse has a technical producer, that being Nisreen Abdul-Majid. Andy Frank is the manager of AMI-audio, with thanks also going to Paula Deneen, technical supervisor. There's a number of ways in which you can get in touch with us. Find us on Twitter at AMI-audio. Use the hashtag PulseAMI to let us know your thoughts. Maybe you're a parent. Maybe you're a child or a young person with a disability. Let us know how you're holding up during the pandemic. Better yet, give us a call, 1-866-509-4545. That's 1-866-509-4545. And let us know if we have your permission to play the audio on the program. If you feel like you want to send us an email, you can write to feedback at ami.ca. That's feedback at ami.ca. And we can also share your email on the program. I hope wherever you are, whatever you're doing, however life is treating you, you are staying safe and being and staying well during the pandemic. And again, on behalf of everybody on The Pulse, on AMI-audio, I've been your host, Ruita Gupta. Thanks a lot for listening and have a wonderful rest of your day.
This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. I'm Margaret Shepard of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hajar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods.